dudes? Welcome back to the Outkick and Bets podcast. It's me, the host, Jeff Clark, and Dan Z is back here to help me break down NFL Week 18. Uh, I gave him a bit of a sabbatical. I don't. I, why were you off last week? Is it a personal thing? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. If so, no. It, it's. I mean, it technically was a personal thing because my family was in town. But I just. I only worked a couple days last week, and I just had so much to do that I just didn't unfortunately have time to hop on the pod and. To be honest, I didn't put as much time into my picks as I would have liked, and that's why we find ourselves. I mean, we've been look, we've been gassing me up all year. I've been crushing it, and the last two weeks, it has just all come crashing down around me. So, follow at your own peril. Might be a good time to fade Danzy, but uh, we're one in seven in the last two weeks, which is just awful. Man, sounds like my NBA picks. That's rough. Yeah, thanks for that Kings bet last night. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say. I, I would say I would assume that I lost more money on it than you did. So I hear you, man. I'm not happy yeah, yeah. about it either. That's for sure true. <laughs> um, I went four and one last week. I'm now up to tied in the circuit contest, uh, tied at 674th place at a 4,683 entries. I got a 45-36 and four record on the season. So going pretty strong hopefully i can end the year strong not gonna make the money that's disappointing but you know that was probably i mean i would be not a miracle but i would have been very fortunate to make the money um based on how tough it is to make the money in these nfl handicap handicapping contests but i hit the browns plus two and a half they beat washington 24 10 i hit the dolphins plus two and a half Got fortunate with that one. They snuck in the back door in a 23-21 loss to the Patriots. Hit the Steelers, plus two and a half. Um, they beat the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football, 16-13. Definitely got lucky with that one. The game winning Kenny Pickett uh, touchdown drive to push us over the number and keep the Steelers' playoff hopes alive. I also uh, hit with the Saints, plus five and a half at the Philadelphia Eagles. They won outright. 20 to 10 and my one uh my lone loser was the bears plus six and a half um they started up 10 7 and then gave up 34 unanswered in a loss at the detroit lions so um two of my wins were definitely on the fortunate side the one loss i definitely deserved to get but feel pretty good heading into week seven week 18 excuse me uh as i talked to you i think before i mentioned this to you i usually do really well in week 17 or now week 18 in these contests i'm pretty confident in this card i have my five circa picks locked up and i have a a a best bet in one of the sunday games or saturday games actually the first one we'll talk about the first nfl game this weekend and i have a six point mega teaser that i still need to figure out the exact details on but that's what i'm hoping i can get some help from you with uh, yeah, let me on. just say this is, you know, betting is it's not for the faint of heart, right? Like all year we had we spent a lot of time. I would come on here talking about wins and you tend to not think about it when you win. But like, you know, we had we had some stuff go our way. There's no question about it. But then last week, as you were just mentioning, I mean, two of the picks you mentioned. Now, I got the Eagles pick wrong. I'm, I'm, I was flat out wrong about that game. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I made the right. But what I wrote in my piece this week is, you know, the analysis, two of the losses I had bears, Detroit, 
over 52 points. There were 34 points scored at the half and 48 points scored going into the fourth quarter. Like, that should have been a lock to go over 52, and it did. And then I had the Ravens, who led the entire second half except for the last 10 seconds. So, you know, it, it flips. That's that's kind of what regression is, right? Yeah, man. Um... Those, those were going my way early in the season, and then I had a couple, you know, go against me here. What's your season-long record, though? I am at 61%, 38 and 24. I mean, if you did that full-time, you could quit your outkick job and just do that. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a winning rate. Hell of a winning rate. Yeah, but it's it, it's a tough life, though, right? Because yeah. as we talk about all the time, like, it's great that, you know, 61% for the year, you're right. That that makes you money. That's That's where... You know, if you're at 61% for your career in NFL betting, you can make a career in NFL betting. But Absolutely. the problem is, even if I were doing that, like, I'd have been eating like a king in the first 10 weeks, and all of a sudden I can't pay my rent the last two going one and seven. If you're putting up the kind of money you need to to sustain a living, you're going to have some thin-ass weeks. Well, that's the that gets into the conversation of bankroll management and, like, that is what separates people from from being sharp to being – professional gamblers like you are but you need pretty... some capital to start that and unfortunately i don't have the capital to yeah. dive into that there's obviously there's obviously a lot of truth to that and a lot of like sports gamblers are 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 do professional sports gamblers are dudes like me who are single and don't have families and in their mid-30s right and i'm not like down on myself about that i i like the life that i live but it is a little abnormal and i'm not even a professional gambler right so like um the point is like i don't know it's like kind of a trade-off um if you want to live that lifestyle it's definitely not easy it it maybe appears or sounds glamorous but it's it's a fucking grind dude (laughs) and like if you're not if you're not managing your finances well your bankroll well then yeah like you can get into some serious trouble just getting overly confident and like, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll up it a couple units since I got good momentum. And it's just like, you lose a couple of those bets and then it's like, well, I'll put in a little bit more to make up for those losses. And then now you're now, now you've pretty much ruined your season, you know? And that's where, that's honestly where I struggle. Like a lot of people, I mean, the, the biggest issue for most gambling addicts is chasing losses like that's that's kind of where you you can't stop right like that's i mean i guess that's all addiction right like it just becomes that point where you just like you you just chase you're chasing the high or you're chasing the losses or whatever it is and that's what i start that's why i could never be a professional gambler i like i like gambling recreationally um i like giving out these picks i like putting you know i'll just say like i don't make a ton like i'll you know i'll put 50 bucks on these picks 100 bucks like nothing that's gonna cost me my rent but I don't think I could ever get to that point because you're right like if I was going through this one and seven stretch and my finances depended on it like it'd be hard not to be like well we gotta we gotta get it back in week 18 and when you start doing this analysis like you as you know like you convince yourself that this stuff is just gonna happen right like you're like you're looking at the number you're like this is gonna happen like I'm right about this and then it have just to. doesn't I mean, you do have to. You're I mean, right. to go to the counter, you need to be confident, right? Exactly, and it's it it it's so easy to talk yourself into stuff. Like I've looked at cards before and been like, eh, "There's not a lot I like," and then all of a sudden, you know, a few hours later, I'm like, "Fuck, I am 
Jacksonville's going to beat the shit out of Tennessee. And I, there's no one that will convince me that that's not going to happen. Right. And kind of along those lines, but also almost a little contradictory of what I said, sometimes like the best bets that you make are the ones you're like, you feel strong about your analysis, but you know, you're going against the grain and it's kind of scary when you put up the money. And that kind of takes us into the first bet that I have here on my, on my, um, on my sheet, uh, which is the first Saturday night or Saturday game, uh, the chiefs at the Raiders. I'm going under the total, which is now 52, was 52 and a half earlier today. So it's a cheap 52 though. Um, but I'm, we talked about this. I'm effectively fading what we saw last week out of Jared Stidham be like, yeah, dude, do it again. <laughs> do it again. I, I don't believe you. And like no one, we're not going to argue. I don't think about who's the best defense in the league. It, it's the 49ers effectively, you know, maybe you can throw in a couple other names, but they're a top tier defense. So what Jared Stidham did in his first game uh, as the Raiders starting quarterback is unquestionably impressive. Look, look great. Got Devontae Adams involved. Josh Jacobs did his thing. Um, um, I think Darren Waller caught a touchdown. Hunter Renfro got a nice couple th- third down conversions. They had the second most points and yards against the 49ers of any Niners opponent aside from the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this year, right? And um, but, but this total has gotten into a number, uh, gotten up to a number that's just, it's similar to Kansas City versus other elite quarterbacks. So you go through some of the other games that they've played, uh, week one versus Arizona, who, you know, they were without DeAndre Hopkins, granted, but still had Kyler Murray and were expected to be an above-average offense coming into the regular season, that total was 54. Um, uh, in the two games versus Justin Herbert. You're talking about, are you talking about Vegas? No, I'm talking about the Chiefs. I'm sorry. Oh, the Chiefs. I apologize. I'm sorry. So the Chiefs Raiders totals 52 and a half and, and, and the overreaction Stidham's um, impressive performance against 49ers have, have put that number where it is. Right. And I think it's too high, you know, and I'm going through the, the other, um, games that Kansas City has played, so they played. No, the, I know. I thought you were talking about the Raiders who played the. And I was going to say it was Week Two because they played the Cardinals in Week Two. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that crazy Cardinal comeback um, was it twenty six, twenty something like that. Um, Kansas City played Justin Herbert and the Chargers twice. Justin Herbert's top five quarterback. Those totals were fifty two and a half, fifty three, and Kansas City's game against Buffalo and Josh Allen. Total 54 against Burrow, total 53 against Vegas with Carr, who, say what you will, is certainly a more proven and better quarterback than Stidham. We'll see about Stidham's future, but that total was 51. Now, this is 52 and a half. It's just like, nah, nah, that's that's too high. And I think people are under the impression that Kansas City's defense is like terrible. It's not good. It's definitely not the. It's not definitely not the better of the two units. But it's actually, I would say, average to above average. They're seventh in pressure rate, tenth in yards per play allowed, twelfth in success rate, sixteenth in points per play allowed, and their defensive line has an edge over Vegas' offensive line in run and pass blocking. So um, we're we're fading an overreaction to the to the Raiders' recent performance against the Niners, which again. It was a road game for the Niners in Las Vegas on New Year's Day. What were they doing on New Year's Eve in Las Vegas? 
Were they studying game film? Were they? They had no game film to study on Jared Stidham as well. And, like, the Raiders were all but eliminated last week, but they were officially eliminated with a loss to the 49ers. So it's like, you know, that's a gut punch. Maybe their offense comes in stale. Hey, the Chiefs have... Have have the one seed to play for. I think they're going to get a full effort out of out of both the offense and defense. Obviously, if this offense lights it up, like I'm going to be concerned. But that's that's again going back to the first point. It's like sometimes it's the it's the sketchy bets that actually are the most profitable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under and kind of hold on for dear life here. Yeah, what I like about this bet is you're kind of going to know right away whether or not you got it right. Um, because the Raiders either, like if you look at some of their most recent point totals, you've got 71 last week. The week before that, 23. Week before that, 54. Week before that, 33. Like there's not a lot in the middle. They're either scoring mid-50s or it's going to be in the 30s. So I think I think you're going to know pretty early uh, what Raiders team you've got, what offense you've got. So um, And typically you know, they those... suck in the second half. Like that's been their trend. Right. Right. Well, but the I guess the issue here is that um, you don't expect them to have a lead going into the second half here. That would be shocking. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They're bad in the second half with a lead. That's That seems to be the issue. Part of the reason that they were able to put up the points against the 49ers, if you look at it, is they – did they have a lead in the second half? Oh, they did. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah, I think they had a 10-point lead at one they point. Had, they blew another double-digit lead. They're the, they were the first team in NFL history to blow four second-half double-digit leads, and they've now moved that to five second-half double-digit leads. And should have been six if the Patriots didn't uh, totally shit their pants at the end of that one. Wild. Yeah, it would hurt my under, but I'm pretty sure uh, Mahomes has a winning record when down by 10 points. So I'll, I'll if if this situation happens again, I'll live bet the Chiefs. That, uh, oh, there's yeah. no way. Like, even if – all right, let's say the Raiders are up 10 nothing after the end of the first. Do you think the Chiefs are – Minus one thirty. Can you get that good of a price on it? Probably not, right? You think they would be favored down ten points at the end of the first quarter? Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't like if you're if you're a, a book making line odds. Well, let's see. They're I, ten point favorites, right? So essentially, at the end of the first quarter, you've already. Boy, I don't know. I mean, they have like. I, maybe it's not built into the algorithms or whatever, or their 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 system. But Vegas, the sports books, know how well Mahomes plays with the lead and how bad the Raiders are at keeping a, or playing uh, from behind, and how bad the Raiders are at keeping a lead. Which weirdly means the value would actually probably be on the Raiders at that point. Yeah, well, obviously, like especially if it's like that's the other thing is like a lot of people will be looking at like Raiders up ten nothing division game at home. And they're plus one ten. Well, that's you know maybe like the public. I guess there's not a lot of public. Yeah, uh, not a lot of public live. live betting. No, I, I I don't think I don't think the industry is at the point where they can produce those kind of splits yet, or like, or are right. even producing them. Like I don't even know what the public action looks like. I mean, if there's any game that would be sick for, it's going to be an island game, which this is. So. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'm looking at like I just hadn't spent that much time looking at the Chiefs lately, but like they have played some close games against some bad teams. Yeah, and um, 
And the but only one of but only one of their games in the last. Oh no, sorry. Two. Well, two because of the overtime. If they hadn't gone to overtime against Houston, that would have stayed under fifty-two as well. But like a, a game like Seattle's kind of a similar team to to Las Vegas, and that game only produced thirty-four points. You know, they produced fifty-one with Denver, which is a little scary because Denver can't play any offense. Yeah. I mean, they went over the total in three of the last four games, right? So, you know, it's 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 not a lock by any means. Um, the last note that I have here is in the consensus market um, where you, you can pull those betting splits from pregame.com. Um, they have the unders getting like 65% of the money and 70% of the bets placed are on, are on the, uh, are on the over. Um, and for DraftKings, uh, which is a sponsor of this podcast, 75% of the money and 60% of the bets are on the over. So whether you're fading the public or it's a pros versus Joe's side, I would say the, the, the sharper side of the, uh, uh, of this coin would be the under, but who's to say, right? It's only sharp if you win, right? You can't, you can't eat closing line value or you can't eat betting splits. <laughs> um, do, do you have anything on this game? Or do you want to go right into the uh, the next one? No, I, I I mean I like your analysis. I think you're right. I think the the prevailing thought here is the total's too high. That there's an overreaction to Jarrett Stidham uh, last week. Um, the Chiefs need to win this game. Uh, with it looking more and more like they're going to cancel the Bengals Bills game, the Chiefs can clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win here. This is a big game for them. So I think that means they might play a little more cautiously and try not to make big mistakes and just kind of control the ball, get a lead. Um, and I think once you have a lead on the Raiders, a team whose season is over, I don't, I don't believe there's going to be a ton of fight here. I don't see these guys fighting for Josh McDaniels to get back and win this game. Um, I'm with you. I'm, I, it just, it makes me a little nervous. So I'm going to actually tease this number up six points which might seem a little odd, but we're going to, we're going to set the total at 58 for the purposes of this. And that's mostly because I want to tease the next game, which we'll get into, but basically it's all of your analysis. Um, plus if you look at the totals in the NFL, the most common uh, total numbers over 50 are 51, 55 and 57. Um, very rarely do totals get above, uh, get to 58, 59, 60. So we're, we're essentially getting over all of the key numbers in the under market. So we're gonna ride with fifty-eight on the teaser, but but basically, like I said, you're you're there aren't uh, there aren't necessarily key numbers in totals like there are with spreads, where it's obvious that three, six, seven, ten are the big ones. There are a few, but they in, in the totals market, but they tend to be lower. But I did look just real quickly to see what the most common over fifty numbers were, and it happened to be fifty-five and fifty-seven as being like the big ones in the in the middle area. So getting to fifty-eight gets us over that. Um, but the real key here is the teaser because I like Jacksonville to beat Tennessee. Um, I've been struggling the last couple weeks, as I mentioned, uh, one and seven. So I don't usually give out teasers. I don't usually give out uh, first half picks. I'm going to do both this week, like trying to change up the mojo a little bit. Um, so I'm going to change things up. I'm going to start with a teaser. I got t- uh, Jacksonville pick them and the uh, Raiders Chiefs under. 58 points. I like Jacksonville at minus six, but quite honestly, you kind of talked me out of it. So uh, I know you're going to get to that in a minute, but I, you know, Jacksonville is a better team. 
You look at EPA per play, both sides of the ball. Jacksonville's a full two tiers better than Tennessee. They're at home. They beat Tennessee by two touchdowns on the road with Ryan Tannehill. The Titans have the league's worst pass blocking. The Jaguars front is actually very good. Dobbs is going to be harassed in this game. And dude has been on the Titans roster for less than two weeks. He wasn't even on a roster. He was on a practice squad two weeks ago. And he's now starting a game that's going to decide their season. Um, that to me is ridiculous. I know you're going to bring up that Mike Vrabel is very good off a bye, 9-1 and one on, ex- on extended rest in the regular season, and an extended rest being either a bye or playing Thursday night football, giving you the 10 days. Um, it's a little misleading, though, and I'm going to address it right now. Yes, last week was a quasi-bye because Tennessee rested its starters, but they did play. It wasn't an actual bye. They did have to prep for a football game. Plus, the one loss he suffered came this season. That was against the Bengals. Tennessee played on Thursday, and they lost to Cincinnati the following Sunday. And the win that they got off the bye this year, when they had their bye week, was against the Colts. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock in that. And then they had an actual bye in the playoffs last season and lost at home to Cincinnati. And this is essentially a playoff game. So I think the edge is mitigated a little bit, too, because although I think Vrabel is a good coach, I think Doug Peterson is also a very good coach. Um, He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and now he's got Trevor Lawrence. I think he'll have enough uh, in the bag of tricks for this game. I think the Jags are going to pull out all the stops. So I, if you want to bet them straight at minus six, I don't hate it, but officially I'm going to make it a teaser leg with the under in the early Saturday game and call it a Saturday teaser. Well, you uh, wrote the bet down a little late, or I guess a little early in this case, because it's now six and a half. So I'm going to take the six and a half. Um, you got to take it down I to did. a half point. I did lock it in already, but oh, okay. Fine. Oh, fair enough. Um, no, the 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 point about Josh Dobbs is obviously a solid one. We talked about that uh, via Slack, so it, it's hard to push back on that. You know, it's but it is although pretty... the half point. Sorry, if you do tease this down to half a point, it would be hilarious if they tied. I just want to just put that out there. If this game that was determined that determines the AFC South is a tie, that would be hysterical. Sorry, that would be who would man. win the division. It would be the Titans or the, right? the Jaguars. No, the Jaguars have a better record. Um, yes, the Titans right. would even them if they beat them and then and then uh, advance that a would, tiebreaker. That would be hilarious because the Titans treated last week as a bye. Sure. But because if they tied. Who would. All right. Let's say Tennessee had won last week and they were both eight and, eight, and then they tied. It would still be Jacksonville. Yes, it would. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so it, did, it didn't matter. Jacksonville yeah. needs to. So Jacksonville could play for the tie to win the division, which could screw you if you've got the half a point and it's like overtime, and Jacksonville's like making it. It's like, hey, a win, a tie, and a win are the same to us. Yeah. Not that that's a likely scenario, but just throwing it out there. Well, I mean, if you followed Dan on this and you lost because of a tie, I I would fully understand you breaking your TV and not gambling for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> it would be a brutal, brutal that's loss. True. There were people that had. Remember last year? Um, last year, the Raiders Chargers Raiders Chargers win or yeah. go home game. I forget what was parlayed with it, but people parlayed one result with like a tie in the Chargers Raiders, which actually like was very, very possible and trending towards happening. Should have happened. Yeah, probably should have happened. And I think I heard neither the team was needed like to win two thousand. Neither team needed to win. Like that was the whole thing is like both would make the playoffs if they tied. Yeah. And yeah. yet it was like, a vicious F U from the Raiders. 
Yeah, right. The Raiders are like, screw that. We're knocking your asses out. Well, I think I think they, if I remember the game correctly, they were kind of down to tie, but then they got a couple chunk plays and like, I think Josh Jacobs on like a third and fifteen ran for twenty five yards and was like, oh shit, all right, we can well, yeah, I know. we can well, win this blamed, game. People blamed Brandon Staley's timeout for that, and I don't want to rehash it because it was a year ago, but that was such an asinine thing. It was part of where the Brandon Staley slander came from, and I, I think everyone was wrong about that. But if you don't know what we're talking about, and you probably don't, because who the hell follows it that closely, go look up Brandon Staley timeout Raiders, and you you tell me what you think. Tweet I, me, at OutkickDanzy. I've been an anti-Brandon Staley fan for most of you know the two years he's been in Chargers. I, I don't remember exactly why, but I remember defending his decision there. Like To me, it was just like people just assumed that the Raiders were going to take a tie, and my thought was like, no, I think they're trying to win the game. Like, you need to get your defense set, dude. So, like, I agreed with him taking the. Uh, we're talking about week eighteen last year, anyways. Um, I, no, I, I agree. hope they tie. You know what? I hope the Jags and Titans tie, just because it'd be funny. I, I'd be down. Well, you might plus six yeah, and a half. Yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah I mean, I'm cool with that. But go ahead, defend your Titans, because I don't think that I honestly do not see them staying uh, much in this game. I, I, I believe the fact that Josh Dobbs can actually throw a forward pass makes him a clear upgrade over Malik Willis. Malik Willis is not there yet. Don't know if he ever gets there. Not sure. Um, don't have a lot of confidence in him. And neither does Mike Vrabel, apparently, or at least based on like the amount of pass attempts that he had. I mean, um, in his... Well, it's pretty clear when you pluck someone off someone else's practice squad and start them over your rookie that you don't have a ton of confidence in your rookie. Sure. Um, Dom's did. All right, last week, nothing that impressive. You know, it was the fact that they almost covered against Dallas. The close at 13 and a half. It was 14 for most of the week. So a lot of people chopped, but they ended up losing, I don't know, 27 13, I think it was. Um, they tied Dallas in, in yards per play at 4.9. They were 7 for 16 on third down, which is pretty good. And we're in a position to cover before losing the fourth quarter 10 to 0. But they were missing six starters, five on defense, all of which participated in practice this week. And that was part of the strategy, right? You're saying, well, it's kind of a buy, but they played last week. But, like, they effectively have taken, like, like 16 days off. I, I my math might be a little fuzzier. The cal- I'm at the relook at the calendar, but like they knew the whole week, regardless of what Vrabel was saying publicly, that they were not playing Thursday. Like they you could also it. argue they didn't seem to care much when they played Houston the week before. So if you want to go back even further, the last time they actually tried to win a football game, maybe the Chargers game back in early December or no, mid December. I think if I'm reading you right, you're being facetious, right? Right, you're being well. I mean, I'm like I'm adding to your point of like it, you're t- saying they treated last week as a buy and they lost to the Texans in the week before. So it seems like they kind of treated that like a buy. What, at what point are they going to play some actual football? Well, they were. I, I backed the, the Titans. Uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, even though I said it on now kick 360. But I backed the Titans against Houston, and that was stupid. Obviously, they ended up losing outright and obviously not covering. Um, but you know, they, the, the guys that outkick 360, 360 were talking about just how banged up the Titans were. And maybe some of those guys could have played, but if they had re-aggravated or, or exasperated injuries, they, they could be out for this game. And like, I hear your point, but there's also like, there is a point to be made where it, 
this Week 18 showdown has been set up effectively since the Jaguars beat the shit out of the Titans. Like, we kind of all knew it was going to get to this point, didn't we? Yes. So, but yeah, we have we have Rayboff extended rest. It's a pros versus Joe's game on DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, and see, nine, this is a, it's a, God, sorry. No, I was just going to say, neither team's going to be able to run the ball, so they're going to need Trevor Lawrence to win this game. And, and the point that you made earlier about it being a playoff game, I think, you know, it, it, it kind of makes this more of a toss-up, coin-flippy game, right? We don't... We can't expect much much out of Josh Dobbs. He's definitely definitely the worst of the two quarterbacks here. But like every quarterback, effectively in the history of football, except for Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady, has sucked in their first playoff game. It is just a fact of life. It is just kind of how the fo- football not a works. playoff game. Well, you were saying it was, <laughs> and it you know it's it is right. It is a playoff game. Well, then my point holds that when Tennessee had a bye last week, last year in the playoffs, they lost to Joe Burrow, who was starting. Ready? Oh, it was his second playoff game. But still, it was his first playoff. <laughs> first playoff road game. I'll it was his that. first playoff road game. The other thing here, and I might bring this up again, but Jacksonville's offense is 26 in variance um, uh, based uh, uh, for, per football outsiders, and their defense is 25th. So we talked about this earlier in the year and we faded Jacksonville where where sometimes they just put everything together and beat the shit out of opponents and other times they've had weird clunkers. Now, based on their trend line, it feels like they've gotten all the clunkers out of the way and they're going to they're going to I think they're going to play their ass off and it's going to be a good game either either which way. I do I do I do think though or believe that Tennessee with Mike Vrabel has more of an identity. They know what they're going to do and in this coin flip game in this excuse me in a playoff game like just the experience is going to keep this within the number that's that's kind of what i've what i've fallen on yeah i get it and i know you laughed at this earlier so we might as well bring it up to the pod audience but i don't totally discount the fact that trevor lawrence has played in the college football but he played in the college football playoffs three times in four games and won a championship i think that matters i think those are big games in front of huge crowds playing against alabama playing against Ohio State. He's played tough competition in big spots. I don't I don't I don't think he's going to be shaken, rattled, whatever you want to call it. And, and quite honestly, you know, I was going to make this point too. You know, your argument is essentially that Tennessee's like taking the last couple weeks off or however you want to look at it. Like they haven't played a meaningful football game really in a long time. Um mm-hmm. last week's game didn't matter. They obviously didn't you know, they they've lost six straight like Jacksonville's been playing for their lives for basically half the season because they started so poorly. And when they lost to the Lions and got smoked by the Lions to drop to four and eight, like it seemed like it was over for them. And since then, they've rattled off four straight, including that Titans win. They beat the Cowboys. Um, they beat the Jets, which obviously doesn't look great, but it's not a terrible win. If you look at the Titans, they don't have any good wins this season. Like, who's the Titans' best win? Is it the Packers? Like, yeah. Is that their best? And that was like not really the Packers team we have now, right? Like that was seven weeks ago. That was when the Packers were kind of in the midst of figuring out who they are. That, that loss dropped green Bay to four and seven, you know, since then they've gone four and one, but that wasn't really the team. So if that's the most impressive win, I just like, I, I look at their schedule and I'm like, they haven't done anything. They beat the Broncos, the Texans, the Colts, the commanders, the Colts, again, the Raiders, like they just, they don't have any 
good wins at all. And now I know your point. Like, it's a divisional game, and they don't have to win. They just have to keep it within six. Again, that kind of goes to my point as to why I'm teasing it. I do think Jacksonville's going to win this game. I like them minus the points, but I feel better with them winning outright because they're just a better team. They're a better team with a better quarterback. Um, I, I, you know, it sucks <laughs> considering I'm locking in this bet. I, I agree they're a better team, and I and I love Trevor Lawrence, and I, I just I, I did laugh at your point about about the national title game experience because like other quarterbacks have had national title game experience and have sucked in their first playoff game. Like it's, you know, oh. it, what do you, uh, Deshaun Watson. Good one. Um, I'm trying to. I, I don't. I uh, Jalen Hurts. Right, he played a national title and he sucked last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Joe Burrow played his uh, ass off. Jalen Hurts got benched in a national championship, so the argument could be made that he just was isn't built for that, which will be interesting this year when he finally does have to play in a in a big spot, likely as the number one seed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the. Um, a game that I actually have action, or no, 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 you have action in, right? My Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. What's I'm confused on what you like and why. Uh, I'm taking the Vikings minus seven. Okay, and there is one very important adage in sports betting that just every sports better knows, and that is if you have a chance to bet against Nathan Peterman, <laughs> you bet against Nathan Peterman. That's my analysis. Like, literally, I tried to come up with more, but, like, there's not much more to it. Like, the the Nathan Peter, I wrote a piece of Nathan Peterman uh, earlier this week. You should go check it out on OutKick. It's some of the best work I think I've ever done, if I'm being honest. But, like, some of the stats are absolutely, like, unbelievable. First of all, he hasn't started a game in over 1,500 days. Nathan Peterman last started in the NFL on November 4th, 2018, which is wild, by the way, that he's managed to stick around for – four plus years and still have a job. Um, Since then, Peterman has attempted 11 passes in the NFL since 2018 Uh, for his career. He has three touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. His career passer rating is 32.2. If Nathan Peterman had spiked the ball in every snap he had ever taken in the NFL, his passer rating would be 39.6 which is higher than his passer rating is now. Let me make this crystal clear. Nathan Peterman has a worse passer rating than he would have if he just simply spiked the ball into the ground every time he touched it. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That is yeah. unbelievable. Uh, in he's, the worst, starts, he's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. So I wrote this. I, he's the second worst quarterback I've ever seen. The worst quarterback I've ever seen was Denver Broncos wide receiver Kendall Hinton, Uh-oh. who was forced to play quarterback <laughs> yeah. because the entire team got COVID. I was worried you were going to say Josh Dobbs. Like, all right, come on, bro. Take it easy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm no. just joking. Actually, when you said Josh, like Josh Rosen came to mind. I'm like, no, Rosen is still better than Nathan Peterman. Uh, Peterman's 1-3 starting in his career. He did win a game, by the way. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, the Bills beat the Colts 13-7 to in 2017 with Nathan Peterman playing quarterback. I believe he threw for like 50 yards in that game, and they still met. They and won I, in spite of him. I believe there was feet of snow that dropped during that game, right? I don't. Did, you know, didn't, I didn't look that didn't much Didn't the Sean McCoy it. ball out? It was in a snow game, right? Hold on. I'll look that up. Yeah, please do, because it's the only way. There had to be... God had to have intervened 
if Nathan Peterman won a football game. I think it was a biblical and he, snowstorm. <laughs> and he can't intervene here because this game. Oh, shoot. Is it in Chicago? When in doubt. Back to- oh, yeah. Here, here's, a, here's a video of Nathan Peterman gets level in the snow, Colts, Bills. Um, <laughs> Col- here, I'll send it to you. Uh, Colts, Bills. Um, I can't Whatever. It had to be. It's the only possible way that Nathan Peterman could ever win an NFL football game. Oh, okay. Now I get, well, I can't watch it now, Jeff. Well, we're trying to po- – right. we're, right, we're professionals sorry. here. We're of trying course. to podcast. I'm trying to find out – I did all this research, and I forgot who the home team is. Can you tell me who the home team is? It's the Bears, which Damn is – this is the, you're, you're, you've broken several teaser rules already. <laughs> uh, oh, excuse me. I, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm actually – I was jumping ahead. I actually have this included in my six-point mega teaser, and this is one of the rules that I broke. So I'm teasing a divisional uh, home or uh, road favorite. All right, so here down. we go. I just gotta get. I gotta get out my last Sorry couple Nathan that. Peterman takes. So Nathan Peterman one in three in his four starts. As you mentioned, it was a biblical snowstorm. The average score in Nathan Peterman's four starts was Bills, who he started every one of those games for twelve opponents, thirty-seven. If you take out the biblical snowstorm game and you leave only his other three normal starts, the score is opponents 47, Bills 12. Nathan Peterman averages getting beaten by 35 points in his starts in his career. That's wild. And honestly, I think Chicago wants to lose this game. I know we we always say this, like, of course the front office wants to lose, and you actually talked me out of the Colts uh, game because I I think Houston also wants to lose, but you're right. Like Lovey Smith might be coaching for his job. Matt Aberflus, I don't think it's, and I think he wants the number one pick, and they have a decent shot at it if they lose this game, which I definitely think they will. And Houston wins, and Houston's only a two and a half point underdog, and they've given teams a run in in recent weeks. Like Chicago could very easily end up with the number one pick, and if Eberflus is keeping his job, which I think he probably will. I think they'll give him some, you know, because Justin Fields took a step forward this year. So I think they'll look at that as like, hey, you know, good job getting more out of Justin Fields than we got before you. Wouldn't you want the number one pick? Yeah. And if I'll tell you what, if the Bears get the number one pick, I'm going to look for markets on Will Anderson to be the first pick off the board. I would think they might try to trade it because they could have some value. I mean, there are some there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback now. And if people believe in Bryce Young. Um, you know, the Texans almost certainly would take him yeah. at two. The so, Jets would say, what do you want for the number saying. one like, pick? What do you I, want? I think, I think the Bears would love to get that pick and then trade out of it and just stack because we haven't, I can't remember the last time. Has the number one pick ever been traded? I have to look that up. But I would think that if the Bears got the number one pick and it became clear that Bryce Young was the guy and everyone knew the Texans were going to take him, somebody would try to jump and get to that number one spot. So anyway, my point is, I really think like the only way you start Nathan Peterman is if you want to lose. I think Justin Fields probably could play in this game if it mattered. It doesn't. Why have him play? You're starting Peterman. I'm just, I'm just gonna bet against Nathan Peterman. It's, it's been a successful strategy. So I have this in one of my games for like my six point mega teaser that I'm gonna circle back and talk to you about. I was gonna tease the Vikings down minus one. That's why I kind of had that little brain fart about. You know, teasing road favorites in division games. Definitely something that Sharps would tell you not to do. Um, but my first note is I, I the Bears are trying to lose. I, I, I believe 
wholeheartedly they're trying to lose. Like it even kind of surfaced in the middle of last game. They were up ten to seven. They were looking pretty good. The run game was looking good. I mean, Justin Fields couldn't throw it against Detroit, but they gave up thirty four unanswered and just completely like either caved or just tanked. I don't I don't even know. And the reason why I say tank and I kind of lean towards that is because now they're starting Nathan Peterman. And you you don't honestly think you're giving yourself a, a you don't you honestly can't make an argument that you're giving your team a chance to win by starting him. I, I don't I don't believe it. They they traded all of their defensive talent midseason. Like they are obviously saying, Hey, we don't want to win. We want earlier the this year. Trevor Simeon got hurt in pregame warmups, an injury that landed him on IR later that day, and they still started him over Nathan Peterman because they thought Trevor Simeon, who sucks, with an oblique injury, was still better than Nathan Peterman. And, um, well, the other, so, okay, Nathan Peterman agreement, worst starting quarterback who's actually a quarterback that we've ever seen. <laughs> Kendall Hinton played high school quarterback. Um, the, my, my final note, though, on this, and, and including in the teaser, is there is like definitely reason to question Minnesota's motivation, but my pushback is there's there's no way a rookie head coach wants to go into the playoffs like, like, they, like they did. Like, whether or not they sit the starters in the second half after building a huge lead, maybe that happens, but I just can't expect Kevin O'Connell to be like, you know what? We don't have much to play for. Cool. We'll take the 40 to seven, 41 to seven loss into play into the playoffs. Like also their, their backup quarterbacks, Nick Mullins, who isn't terrible. Like as, as far as backup quarterbacks go, like he'll be fine. He's better than Nathan Peterman. For sure. I can tell you that for sure. Like way better than Nathan Peterman. So that's going to be something that again, we circled back on. We'll circle back on, but that is my analysis. And and my question too is like, so you think about like resting guys like Justin Jefferson is has a shot at the receiving record. Like, does he go for it? Absolutely. I'm not, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I hope so for the sake of my bet, I'm on that side, but I don't know. Like, is that important enough to leave him out there and for risk him getting hurt? Cause you're going to need JJ if you're going to make a play, a run in the playoffs. Yeah. And I heard some sharp guy or some supposed sharp guy make a point of like, Justin Jefferson plays really well on fast tracks, but he struggles outdoors in the winter. So maybe that combined with not wanting him injured, we see less of him. But I do think like he's in the coach's ear, like, yo, I have a chance to make history. Like, throw me the ball. And again, like, I wouldn't be surprised. He probably wants to bounce back from last week, too, where he was absolutely destroyed. Like, do you, he yeah. don't want to go out like that. And Jair Alexander talking mad shit. Like, he, you know, he's mad. So. Oh, totally. For sure. Um, but the next game that I'm looking at, I'm going back to the well here. <laughs> I'm going with the Cleveland Browns uh, visiting the, the Over Pittsburgh Over your guy? Steelers. No. Yeah, I know, no! right? I'm stabbing Kenny Pickett right no! in the back. No, I can't. I can't be here for this. <laughs> I, I kind of want to. You know what? Let's like make a, this a side bet. I want to back Pickett against you just because I just want to. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, this feels like I was going to use a Game of Thrones analogy, but you don't You don't even watch that, do you? Um Go ahead. You can use it. Other people know. Well, it's no. I, I, I now I'm kind of spacing out on what I was going to say. It's pretty much I'm just knifing Kenny Pickett right in the back. I'm betraying him. I love yes. Kenny Pickett. I yes, love Mike Tup- Tomlin. Like yes, I like yes, this. I love this whole Steelers thing. But like, and they've been good to you this year. Yep. They have been very good to you this year. 
they were the most profitable team for me last year. They've been good the last wow. two years. So I, I, I like the Steelers. And, like, if there's any way we can fit this into a tight window, Steelers win and Browns cover, hey, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I'll start the argument here. We kind of talked about this before. In my opinion, Deshaun Watson makes the Browns a contender. Like and he, and I if if you're selling Watson stock, I'll buy all of it. I'll buy all of it now while it's cheap. Um, we got a pros versus Joe's game in the in DraftKings. Also, I should have led with this. This is the most important point. This I got from AJ Hoffman at pregame.com. Eliminated teams playing in the last two weeks of the season versus teams who must win to get into the playoffs are sixty two percent against the spread over a hundred plus game sample size, right? The whole mark is baked into the number. The Steelers need this game and the Browns are checked out. It's, it's in the number and still the, the, the Steelers aren't getting full three points, even though it's at home, Cleveland, they're better by the numbers, better net EPA, uh, Cleveland ranked 15th, Pittsburgh 18th, better net YPP, Cleveland 18th, Pittsburgh 28th, the Cleveland Browns have a plus net points per play. Pittsburgh has a minus net points per pay, play. Um, they're better at full season DVOA, weighted DVOA. Cleveland wins the point of attack according to pro football focus and their offensive line, defensive line matchup edges. You know, it's, I just, yeah, as corny or as goofy as it sounds, I'm just buying Watson stock. And I think, if anyone is down to look like a villain, <laughs> you know it's this guy, right? You know he's down to go in there. And plus, like, Cleveland as an organization, they've been bullied by the Steelers for, what, 50 years? You know, forever? So it flipped recently, but yeah, mostly. So it's like, this is their Super Bowl, too. Like, they, they kind of want to drag Pittsburgh down with them, right? Like, it's a rivalry game, and... This is this is also going to be included in my six point mega teaser, but it's one of my circuit picks. I'm going with the Browns plus two and a half. So why are you not taking the Jets in that? Because the Jets would fit that description as well. Yes. Uh, yes. I just can't really. I don't want to get to the window with Skylar Thompson. It. I should have gotten to well, the, the window. Jets. You should be back in the Jets against Skylar. Well, Thompson. I don't. I don't want to take Mike White on the road. He's terrible on the road. Okay, but they're a team whose uh, needs doesn't is eliminated playing a team that has to win to get in the playoffs. And Miami's favorite with Skylar Thompson. I can't, I can't, from a matchup perspective, I can't talk myself in either team. Like, I've, I think Miami's been one of my more profitable teams. I, if anything, I would, I look to bet them or maybe tease them up through seven, up to seven and a half. But like, again, it's a Skylar Thompson thing. Jets defense is nasty. I actually think they kind of go out on a high note and are going to, like, I don't think they're going to lay over or roll over and quit. But I'm kind of struggling to come up with a defense. I just, I just don't want, I don't want to bet Mike White on the road. You know, that's it. So, uh, Buccaneers, Falcons. What about the Rams? Oh, we're going to talk about the Rams later. Okay, All right. that's a tease. <laughs> uh, Buccaneers, uh, Falcons, which you have a play in, and it is included in my six-point mega teaser. So, what are your what are your thoughts? So, I actually have switched my pick here. Um, oh, baby! I, 
not completely. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that. I've I've adjusted my pick. Initially, I was taking the Bucks plus four, but I've decided to take the Bucks plus two and a half in the first half. Um, basically, all my analysis led me to that, and I just didn't realize it because there's a lot going on today. And I was listening to the Demar Hamlin doctor press conference. It's working it out kicks crazy, man. Like you have a day where I'm bouncing between. I'm like trying to do my NFL research. And then I get a call from my editor that's like, hey, DeMar Hamlin's doctors are about to speak to the media. Like, can you jump on that? Can you cover that? Can you live tweet it? Um, you know, which is kind of cool. Like, yeah. it was kind of neat to, like, be on that call and, you know, with, like, literally, like, Ian Rappaport and all the, like, major reporters are asking questions. And I'm like, yeah, it's just kind of neat to be part of this Um Whatever, I digress. No, I'm so, so like, happy they put me in a betting corner and I don't have to do any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was a little distracted, but basically all my analysis led me to this. And I just like, I don't usually take first halves. I had a guy DM me and ask me about like first half bets. Like, what do I think about it? And I wrote to him, and this is true, that I base most of my analysis off of how things are going to play out over time. So I would rather bet on a full game because then you're going to get more possessions. I think that the the fewer but not even I think like statistically the, f- the fewer, the smaller, the sample size, the higher the variance. So if I'm going to make a pick, it's usually based on trying to eliminate as much variance as possible. Now you can't, it's the NFL. It's a weird shaped ball. Shit happens. But generally speaking, I like larger sample sizes. Like in the example I give is always like if the bills played the Texans and you were going to bet on the Texans to win the game, would you rather that game have two possessions each or 100 possessions each? The answer is two, because there's a better chance that Houston might like get a turnover, score a touchdown. If they play at 100 possessions, like the Bills are going to beat the shit out of the Texans over time. Their, their talent would win out. So, that all being said, Todd Bowles says they're not going to rest their starters for this game. I believe him, kind of. I think they're going to sit in the second half. That's what he's done in the past. Um, I don't believe that they're going to play the whole game, but I do believe they're going to play the first half. And so I'm going to take the Bucks as an underdog against a far superior, like as a as a much superior team to Atlanta. I think Atlanta is just absolutely terrible, and they are. And Desmond Ritter really stinks. Mariota quit on the team after he got benched. I think that's a bad sign for the health of the locker room. Um, you could just put it all on Mariota, and that might be true, but he's been around the NFL a long time. He's been a backup, and he's never quit on a team. So... I, I'm, it yeah. says thing. I'm not saying that doesn't say anything about Marcus Mariota. I think that's a soft move, but I, I, I think, I think it he also, was misled. I think it reflects a little bit on either the coaching or something. So I, I really think Atlanta's kind of done. Um, they got a win last week, which was which is nice. Like, hey, we got a win late in the season, but they beat David Blau. Like, I, I don't even know what to do. They beat David Blau by one point, by the way. So honestly, it's pretty simple. I think the Bucks are much better. I think the only reason they're not favored in this game is because, you know, they're playing for literally nothing. They have the number four seed locked up. They can't go up or down. But if they're going to, if their starters are going to play the first half and I'm going to get them as an underdog, like, I I don't see how I I stay away from that. I honestly think Tampa Bay is going to win the game. I really do. Um, And I'm not even convinced that they won't even keep the starters in, depending on how things go, because. And again, it comes out. This is why it's tough to bet these weeks, though, as far as like trying to figure out a team's motivation. Tom Brady cares about the big picture, certainly, but he's had a long career and never had a losing season, ever. They lose this game. That's a losing season. He made the playoffs, but they're making the playoffs at eight and nine. 
he's never lost fewer than nine games in an NFL season where he started every game. And there's like 20 of those, more than 20 of those. So I think there is some motivation for Brady who doesn't get hit a ton. Like, I don't know. He hasn't, he's not really at a huge risk for injury. He gets rid of the ball. I, I think he might play this whole game and I think they might try to win it. If he gets injured, someone in Atlanta is getting arrested. <laughs> the NFL is going to be so mad <laughs> if, if Tom Brady gets injured. Well, it might get Todd Bowles fired, but he doesn't care. No. And yeah, no. I, do you, I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think Tom Brady wants to win this football game and go into the playoffs, A, on a three-game winning streak, but B, with a winning season? I heard it broken down in a way that kind of made me feel opposite. And this is shouting out another podcast, uh, pregame.com, where they were saying, like, based on, like, picking apart – Tom Brady's actual response where he kind of said stuff like, you know, if it were up to me, I would play. I don't want to have a losing record. But the way they took it was like, he said, if it were up to me, as in like, well, it's going to be up to Todd Bowles and Todd Bowles is going to sit me against my will. Right. Type thing. He's kind of sounding like LeBron type shit, or it's just well, like, it would mean, but it would mean like Todd. Bowles, okay. So, I, I mean, they're going to play, right? Bulls said that. He came out and said, like, you got to play. We play football. I don't know. If if that's, to, are, are there, are, are there no bigger liars in, in besides, like, the White House press secretary than than a fucking NFL coach? Like, no one. I, I believe, yes. What NFL coaches do, they're very good at talking around things. This was yeah. not like a, we'll see what happens. We'll see how. This was, we are treating, the, we are playing this game. And if you're worried about getting injured in week 17, you probably shouldn't be playing football in the first place. Like that isn't maybe I will, maybe I won't. That is like, but then one of the reporters was like, well, okay, last time you were in this situation, you sat them in the second half. What about <laughs> yeah. that? And he was like, oh yeah, well, we'll see what happens. It's like, okay, so there we go. That's what's going to happen. You're going to play them for the first half. Got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think based on that, yeah, like the only way you could look if you're going to play a side would be, well, if you're going to play the Buck side, is the first half. So I agree with you. I think, I think there is a, 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 I'll say fifty fifty chance that they they play him the full first half. I think eventually Tom Brady, Tom Brady ends this game on the bench. I, I, that's what I actually believe in. Yeah, this fair. is included in my six point teaser. I'm going to tease again. Break if another they really rule. care about Brady's record, they would just start Gabbert and then put Brady in because if if Gabbert starts, technically their loss or win goes on his record. That's actually pretty smart. Someone, there's no way Todd Bowles <laughs> thought of that. Someone should text him that. Like, hey, we can all give you, you a loophole, start, bro. All you have to do is start Gabbard. If he starts the game, he will be charged yeah. with the win or the loss, no matter how it goes. Todd Bowles, read this. Everyone could win. Everyone could win in this scenario. I'm I'm, I'm breaking another rule. I'm teasing the total up to 46.5. I'm going under. Uh, the first matchup where Mariota played and Brady played the full game, um, went 21-15. And if you remember, Atlanta's offense no-showed in that game and then, like, turned it on in the, in the second half, maybe fourth quarter, and almost won that game outright. Um, I, I do think Tampa Bay, again, is going to end up sitting most of its offense eventually. the game, right? Yep. Um, but now I'm just... Now I'm going to Trent. Tampa Bay as a favorite, three and eleven to the under. Tampa Bay on the road, one to the one to six to the under. Tampa Bay in division, one and four to the under. Atlanta as a dog, four and eight to the under. Um, Atlanta's one and seven to the under in their last eight, including six straight unders. And like we know, this offense a doesn't have a lot of talent. B is with a rookie quarterback who I don't think either one of us are very confident. And I'm not. 
anti-Ritter. I, I really have nothing. I'm, I'm neutral on him. I, I probably assume that he's going to suck, actually, if you're going to hold a gun to my head on it. Um, and they're missing, you know, Kyle Pitts, who who didn't do much when he was healthy, but that's also kind of the point where it's like Atlanta's offense sucks. Like, yeah, they couldn't I always even... think that's hilarious when people go, like, gun to my head. Like, some dude breaks in your house, puts a gun to your head, goes, is Desmond Ritter going to be fucking good at football? And you're like, <laughs> ah, 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 shit! <laughs> yeah, but, I mean... If I'm not forced to, I'm just gonna be like, I don't that's know. That's like a funny. That's like a funny bit we should yeah. do. Like people breaking into your house and forcing you to have sports stakes with a gun to your head. A yeah. Gun to your head. If Outkick ever gets into sketch or variety <laughs> comedy, I'm down. It, w- it would be funny. It would be, yeah. So I'm gonna tease it. It's included in this. I'm including this into my little six point mega teaser. I'm gonna kind of wrap this podcast up with. Do you have anything else on this game, or can we move to my next one? No, I like that. I mean, I, the, Atlanta hasn't seen a game go over 40 points since they played the Bears. So, I mean, you know, you look at their recent totals, 32, 33, 39, 28, uh, 39. Like, they, they ain't scoring any points. I will say 40, 47's a key number. So, having it 46 and a half is kind of square. But, whatever. Um, next game that I'm looking at, AFC South. We're sticking in – or, excuse me, sticking in the NFC South – Going again back to the well with my New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm going to lay three and a half with them hosting the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think we can peg the motivation here and say that either both teams are checked out or both teams are excited. Either way, it's like neutral, right? They both have nothing to play for. You could argue the Panthers are playing for Steve Wilkes' job. I don't know. Is that any more powerful than the Saints playing for Dennis Allen's job? I, I don't think either one of them really. All right, you're shaking your head. Yeah, why, why does that Why does that matter more to you? Or why do you think Wilkes is more important in his scenario? I mean, haven't you listened, dude? Dennis Allen's white. Steve Wilkes is black. It's racist <laughs> if you don't play harder for Steve Wilkes. Fair, fair enough. Uh, you're a racist, bro. You threw me a... Stop. You're throwing me a curveball, and I have nothing to respond with that. Um, but when you take well, away, I wonder what the like what trends could be gleaned from meaningless Week 18 games between two non-playoff teams. Like, I wonder, like, what? Where could you even begin to start looking at like, like just the team with the better record, team with the worst home team? Like, is there any? It'd be interesting to look up any trends that emerge from just meaningless final regular season games between two non-playoff teams favorites underdogs home team road team better team better record like there have to be some things we could look into and can see you what, keep talking <laughs> maybe, maybe i can pull this up right now hold on no we'll, we'll look for it on outkick well right. i just sent jeff on a mission for tomorrow he's gonna have to look up meaningless 18 and see if any trends emerge in like the last five years i think through Stathead you could start over two non-playoff teams in week 18 I think you can do it that way. Um, I don't know. I'll try to figure it out. But it's so throwing away the motivation because I can't really figure that out one way or the other. New Orleans is clearly the better team with a with a legit home field advantage. New Orleans is crazy about the Saints. Granted, it's, it's probably muted because they aren't playing for anything. Uh, but by the numbers, New Orleans clearly better than Carolina. They're 12th in weighted DVOA. Carolina's 23rd. New Orleans is 13th in net EPA per play. Carolina's 24th. New Orleans 7th in net yards per play. Carolina's 15th. New Orleans 7th in net success rate. Carolina's 27th. New Orleans 
lost to Carolina 22-14 in week three, but hammered them on the box score. Had seven more first downs, 19-12, to or better on third down. Had 6.7 yards per play to Carolina's five yards per play. They lost the turnover differential 3-0 to uh, because of two Jameis Winston interceptions and, and, and uh, Alvin Kamara fumble. Carolina also got one defensive touchdown. Christian McCaffrey ran for 100 yards and 25 carries, and and Baker Mayfield started under a different coach. So this is a completely different Carolina team. I guess that could be a pro-Carolina argument. New Orleans also had more penalties. So New Orleans did whatever they could to lose that game. But from, from a statistical standpoint, they are much better than Carolina and were much better. And I've said it a million times already, and I'll probably say it about another game, but it is a pros versus Joes game. More money on New Orleans, uh, more bets are on Carolina. So I, I think three and a half is a, is a is a lovely number. I don't know. Any thoughts on that, or do you want to just go to the next game? Yeah, I don't I have zero care about that game whatsoever. So I'm, you just, you lo- you've loved the Saints all season, so I'm not surprised to see you go to their well in the final. Yeah, I need, them to, win. I need them to win week 18 so I can cover all the future You're losses. Say, gonna cover take. all the losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i got to put a, a, a big number on the Saints this week at minus three and a half to cover those losses. Um, I had I had the, our little docket down for the uh, Houston Texans at Colts, but I'm confused. You you don't have anything in that game anymore? Well, I no? do. Okay, let's I was, talk about it then. I was initially going to go with the Colts um, because I think Houston wants to lose. But you talked me out of it. But I am going to take the under, and that's pretty simple. The Colts have scored 13 points over the past two weeks combined. The Texans have scored 22 points over the past two weeks combined. So if you add up all the points that both of these teams have scored over the last two weeks, you get 35 points. The total for this game is 38. It would be under it. Both teams combined over the last two weeks would be under this week's total. And that's pretty much where it starts and ends, right? Like Texans are rotating QBs at this point. Uh, Davis Mills is back starting, but they mix in Jeff Driscoll. They didn't even believe in Mills because they benched him. Colts are going back to Ellinger, but that's only because Nick Foles got hurt, even though Nick Foles is terrible and was terrible. In Ellinger's two starts, the Colts scored 19 points total. Uh, He also played the second half last week and managed seven points. So in five halves of Sam Ellinger football, we've seen 26 points. That's five points a half approximately. That's 10 points a game. That ain't going to get us to 38. Uh, He's led the team on two touchdown drives this season, Ellinger has. One of them started on the opposing 24-yard line. The other one came when the team was down 31-3. to Believe it or not, both of these teams actually have about average defenses. The Colts' defense is slightly above average. The Texans' defense is slightly below. Um, But they have the worst offenses in the NFL by, like, a wide margin. When you look at the graph, it's like Colts and Texans are all the way over here, and there's a giant gap where you get to, like, the Broncos and Commanders of the world where, like, that next group kicks in. They are just horrible, horrible, awful offenses who have nothing to play for with terrible quarterbacks. So I don't think they could have set this total low enough for me not to take it. Uh, I have no, I have no pushback, and unfortunately, I don't really have any thoughts on that game. We talked about this. There's nothing in to think about. Like exactly, like... I'm not going to watch it. I don't care. I might set like alerts for touchdowns that won't happen, so I don't have to worry about that. And I'll check the score after the game's over. Like I have no interest in it, but I don't. I think it's going to be exactly what we think it's going to be: a terrible football game between two terrible football teams. That means absolutely nothing except whether or not Houston gets the number one pick. All right. 
Um, moving along to the which, although you should point out, you made a good point. Like why you talked me out of the Colts. Um, well, you were saying how like what are the you know the Texans as an organization definitely want the first pick and definitely don't want to uh, win this game. But my pushback is like, well, the way they treated their last coach, which is a one and done situation. Like Lovey Smith is probably looking at it as like, well, I'm probably not going to be here next year. And like, if he's not there next year or he doesn't feel like he's there next year, what incentive does he have to tank? Like, absolutely zero. If anything, he has an incentive to win because like, f these guys are about to fire me. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do right by them and then get canned. And I, you know, and like Jeff Saturday is he's so obviously incompetent at his job. And but like. I think the Colts on paper are clearly the better team. I just, you know, I can't figure out who wants to lose more. Like, honestly, it's, they both kind of don't want to win. That's why, like, your underlook is probably the best one to make here in this game or the best bet to make in this game. Yeah, and honestly, like, I was looking at the motivation factor, but, like, when you look at these teams, like, EPA, like, they're very similar teams. Like, they both suck. They're just the worst two teams in the NFL. So it's like... Yeah, you're right. It's kind of one of those where it's like there's no real motivation on either side. I mean, I I guess both teams want to win, but they both stink. So why would you take a favorite in that situation? And I'm not going to. I'm going to take the under. So thank you. And the the Texans, to their credit, have shown at least a little fight recently. Like the Colts have, just, right. are just checked out. Like, And I can't believe I'm going to confidently say this, but like, I think Davis Mills is easily a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, geez, did we just talk ourselves into the Texans here? No, I, I heard a, a very, <laughs> very pro Texans case where it was just like this guy, like this guy who made it was like laughing at the idea that the Colts could be a favorite against anyone. Like, like it, it, he was just like, the Texans instinctually, I'm taking points against the Colts. No problem. Like, the, I don't care. the Texans only wins this season have come on the road, which is where they find themselves here. I mean, if I wanted to add a fifth to my four-team six-point teaser, this is getting this up Ooh, three and a Texas half isn't plus bad. Eight and a half? Yeah, but now we're like we're talking ourselves into like we're gonna end up on like a nine-team teaser. <laughs> oh, I love that! I hit one of those earlier this year, if you remember. Oh, oh God! Uh, I you send me a lot of crazy bets. I don't have them all jotted down. Or <laughs> I hit. Like, I, I think it might have been an eleven-team teaser that was like a ten-dollar bet that hit for like six hundred bucks. Hell yeah! I know you had a, a like a, a a ten leg MMA parlay that uh, went down. Why would you bring that up? I'm sorry. That was easily the biggest uh, disappointment of my. It yeah. might be of my entire life. I was gonna <laughs> say gambling life, but it might be my entire life. I had a uh, DraftKings offered like a crazy, like you know, one of those stupid like fifty percent MMA parlay boosts. I was like, all right, fuck it, whatever. I'll throw five dollars on something stupid. And if I and I remember correctly, it was going on throughout the day. So it was like taking place in like Japan or something. So it, it was like, Abu Dhabi, right? I don't remember because I'm not even a fan of the MMA. Like I literally had no idea. I looked up a couple of uh, there's a couple of people who I whose opinions I've looked at on the MMA and I, they're pretty good. And so I looked at a couple articles, literally took maybe 15 minutes, put together a 10 leg MMA parlay and um, hit the first nine. In fact, I'll say that it was the one where the guy broke, uh, dislocated his shoulder in the second to last fight. And I had under four and a half rounds and this dude dislocated his shoulder. This was to hit number nine dude dislocates his shoulder in the first 30 seconds. And I'm like, Oh my God, 
like, first of all, this fight ain't, you know, this fight ain't going the distance. So we're good here, which obviously that's what happened. And then nine for nine, man. This wasn't like, you know, people will show you a 10 leg parlay and they're like, I went nine and one. It's like, yeah, but you lost leg three. Like, you knew this was dead. Yeah. So it wasn't a ago. sweat. You never, you never had that thought. Like, like, yeah, you can go back and look later and be like, if I had done this, like, yeah, yeah. But you didn't have what I had, which was nine for nine. One fight left, a $5 bet to hit for six grand, and fucking lost. Lost the last fight. Oh, brutal. Betting blue balls. It's a, it's a terrible thing, which should be covered in your medical, but I don't think it is. Um, I know. The cash out was like, people have been like, why didn't you cash out? I'm like, well, the cash out was 1000 Oh, they knew. But, <laughs> the books knew. But not really, because the win was six grand. But once oh you, I'm saying oh you're saying they, they yeah know. once it you was, get nine through then wouldn't you like kind of think it should be closer to three thousand right that's you're right yes they knew in the sense that this ain't gonna hit so yeah yeah we'll roll it dude want. whatever <laughs> you can take that if you want which I almost did because I did start to get nervous towards the end and like I think some of the late money started to go in on the other side I was like oh, I should just cash out the thousand bucks but I didn't you talked me out of it you said cashing out is for pussies. That's that's right. I stand by that. <laughs> it's your fault. You owe me a thousand dollars. All right. All right. Well, this has gone off the rails. Uh, let's get back to the NFL handicap and the going back to the team with nothing to play for versus the team with everything to play for narrative in the Los Angeles Rams visiting the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are favored six points right now. I'll take all all six of those points with the Rams. Um, I actually was talking about this with my brother earlier this week, and I I misremembered how McVeigh does against Carroll. I thought it was kind of like a toss-up battle. McVeigh's own Carroll, like seven and one against the number in the last eight, spanning across three quarterbacks: Goff, Stafford, and and Wolford. And now this is going to be the fourth: Baker Mayfield, who I think is an upgrade over Wolford, but definitely a downgrade over the other two. But Rams covered on a 27-23 loss to Seattle in week 13 with Wolford under center. They had 5.2 yards per rush. Um, they've ran the ball really well the last couple weeks with Cam Akers uh, doing really well. And Seattle's not a very good run defense. Actually, it's a poor run defense. And they're missing their um, their leading tackler and, and, and best linebacker, Jordan Brooks. I also think... A lot of people are going to look at the minus six and and try to tease it down or say it looks juicy um, because it's a must win scenario. But again, we have that you know that sixty two percent cover rate for eliminated teams playing teams in in a in a must win uh, situation the final two weeks of the season. So I think the market is overrating Seattle's situational ledge. In fact, I can kind of back that up with numbers. Seattle was depending on where you look, minus three in the world opener to minus four and a half is the highest that I saw. It got up to minus six and a half, which is a huge overreaction, but it's currently at, you know, minus six, which I would still say is a, is a massive overreaction. I mean, if we looked at this, it, these splits in the beginning of the season or this number in the beginning of the season, granted Stafford was there, but let's take Stafford out of there. Actually, it's too tough to get to talk about that, right? But like, the bottom line is, should Geno Smith be a six-point favorite over anyone? Bah, I don't know. Pro- I would say probably not. 
And, you know, for as bad as the Rams are this year, they're at least better in high leverage situations on third down in for or on third down in the red zone than Seattle. So you're forgetting the most important part of this handicap. Is it, is it race based? <laughs> Damn it. I wish it was because that would be funny. I didn't have a joke prepared. Geno Smith's um, black and Baker Mayfield isn't. <laughs> uh, those are facts. Um, no, I was going to say. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, no, I was going to say that the NFL wants the Rams to win this game. That way that the Detroit Packers Sunday night football game is actually for a playoff spot. That's a good point. That's There is a, a non-zero chance of some fuckery happening in that game because of this. Good call. I, look again. I, I'm not a consp- like. I, it's funny to me how many people jump on like social media when shit happens. They're like this is fit. My favorite was like that the Patriots thing was fixed, and I was like, dude, if they had planned to do that, there is no way human beings would have been able to execute the plan as well as they did. There's just no way that doesn't happen if they had planned to do it that way. That's always my point. Dude, I lean There's into that great- stuff. I'm always tweeting. Are you out, a like, South Park point- guy? Oh, I yeah, absolutely. I love South Park. So one of my favorite things is when they're doing the uh, the 9-11 thing. And then 9-11, they go 11, and 11, like, 11. And he's like, yeah, we, we set up the whole thing. It was quite easy to pull off. And then he goes through this whole thing of like all the ridiculous things they would have needed to do to make this happen. He's like, quite simple to pull off, really. And then he lists like, you know, he shot down the plane and then hit in the tower. It's like, oh, right, exactly. Like, come on. These <laughs> things could you're, – you're like simultaneously accusing them of being like stupid, but also then they used to do this with Trump all the time where they'd be like, Trump's an idiot. But then they'd be like, but he has this master plan to do X, Y. And like, if he's an idiot, then how the hell did he come up with this plan and then execute it to perfection? It's one or the other. He's either stupid or he's totally yeah. a nefarious genius, but it can't be both. That was, oh man, I can't believe we're going down this road. So that was, I'm not even a, t- a Trump or a political guy, but like it's, that was. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not saying that either. That but, was my ahead. pushback on the whole Russian gate thing. It was like, oh wait, so the wall to wall coverage on him is, is, is making fun of how stupid he is and how he's always saying stupid shit and putting his foot in his mouth. And that you, you, you a believe that. And always write him about that. And then you also believe that he worked with a foreign power to overthrow the election. That's what perfectly. you think. And perfectly executed. Yeah. Like, like, like come can't on. Be both. That's all. That's always my argument. Like it can't be both. You got to pick one. Yeah. You got to pick one. He's, he's either, either a, a genius sinister genius. Yeah. Or, or he's an idiot. Yeah. He cannot be both. Can't, it's impossible. Can't, can't be both. Um, can't be. But kind of circling back to your point, maybe like. That 62% win rate with eliminated teams versus must-win teams kind of like subconsciously put that in like the market's head where it's like they they always see certain teams choke and maybe they just think like – Well, the Seahawks you know, stink. Like I, we, we yeah. thought that all year and they had this like run and people were like, are they good? Like, And it turns out no, they're really not and they weren't supposed to be. I had this team competing for the number one pick, not competing for a playoff spot. And they've pretty much turned into that team. Like, that's who they've been over the last several weeks. That's who Geno Smith has been, who he's always been. And, you know, again, this is another one of those bets, though, where it's like you're going to know right away, like, which Rams team are we getting? Like, are we getting the Rams team that, you know, Mm -hmm. showed up and put 51 on the Broncos out of nowhere, like a a good defense? Or the Rams team that completely no-showed last week and scored 10 against the Chargers or 12 against the Packers. Or the one that came back and, and beat the Raiders like on this. Like, it's, it, 
I don't know. I, I like I like where your head's at with it. But the look ahead line was let's just say at, at its high point four and a half. They beat Mike White, who is really effectively the third string quarterback of the New York Jets, and who is winless on the road in his career. And the Jets completely no showed on the road. Like, and now you're gonna you're gonna add two points of of to Seattle's power rating. Like that is a quintessential overreaction. That's my. I thought. mean, the only the only two teams the Seahawks have beaten in the last seven weeks are the Jets and, and the Rams. Yeah, Rams covered though. But that was not a Baker Mayfield led Rams team. No, I'm just it, kidding. Baker sucks, but you get my point. I, I mean. I agree. But he, is, but he is playing you, for his NFL life. Like you want to talk about motivated. Yeah. You want to talk about somebody motivated. I actually, I think I wrote about this in my watchability this week, which is like that the Rams feel kind of torn motivationally to me where Sean McVay might not give a fuck about this game. Like, I think there's a legitimate, I think there's legitimate possibility. He's done that. He does not want to stick around and watch this dumpster fire. Cause like this Rams team ain't going nowhere. Like their core is, getting old they're getting injured they've tied up a ton of money i'm gonna buy laughing? sock in them next year i know i know i'm gonna be on i mean if he year. sticks around then yeah maybe but i don't know like that's the question like that's why these games are so tough like i think baker mayfield could not be more motivated to win this football game for like, sure to go knock a team out of the playoffs on his third team in this calendar year like to win this game he he's fighting for a job next year like this dude was close to being out of the nfl so i think as far as motivation Nobody's more motivated than Baker. I just question if Sean McVay like really put together a good game plan. And I think you have to have a really good game plan to win games with Baker Mayfield. And I just don't know that he cares that much about this game. This dude was prepping for a Super Bowl like 11 months ago. Now he's prepping against the Seahawks in week 18 in a game that like his season's over. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, yeah. That's why that's the that's why I stayed away from it because I love everything you said. I totally agree with you that like motivation aside, the Rams are the play here, especially getting the the six six and a half points, whatever it is. I just worry that McVay just doesn't give a fuck. That's fair. My rebuttal to that is, you know, like you you've we've heard of this a lot this week, but these guys are humans too. Maybe. Like Baker's excitement and like urgency rubs off on 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 McVeigh, and he's like, you know what? Let's get one for this dude, right? That type of thing. Uh, maybe not. You can kind of toss that idea out. And the other thing is, literally, they they don't have a first round pick. Like they don't have no reason to tank. Like what? It, why are they not going to try? Right? Well, it's not again. I'm not arguing it's a tanking play. I'm arguing it's an I. I just don't care. Yeah, but I mean, they 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 had nothing to play for when they beat the shit out of the Broncos. Like I don't know, like yeah, they, a couple weeks left though. I think that's different than the last game of the year. And they didn't. They no showed last week. But you could also say like, well, you know, you have the next seven, eight months, or the next nine months off. Well, I guess six months with training camp. So like, like whatever, let's empty the chamber. No, but you make McVay a good wants point. to go hang out with his model girlfriend. He's already dude. His mind is in Cabo. You could be right. That is that is a fair pushback. <laughs> let's go. Let's 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 hit a bet though, which I don't think there's odds for, but that you was like your staple bet of the week um, when you first came on this podcast, which is over uh, the tight end receiving yards in in a in a, in a ver, uh, versus the Seahawks. So Tyler Higby, I don't know. They don't have his pro, uh, his, his receiving prop listed yet. I would take it um, over. 
30, I'll go over 32 and a half specifically based on the numbers that I'm about to read. So here's Seattle's performance in their last eight games versus tight ends last week versus Tyler Conklin, who sucks six catches, 80 yards Uh, week 16 versus Travis Kelsey, who's an icon, right? Six catches, 113 yards week 15, another icon, George Kittle, four catches, 93 yards week 14, Carolina's uh, tight end Ian Thomas two catches 11 yards sucked against Tyler Higby but with Walford uh, starting Higby only had two catches 14 yards he is getting more love from Baker Mayfield but a stinker performance he did uh, have five targets in the game they just couldn't connect because Wolford sucks so they were still looking for him against Seattle and this is why I said the 32 and a half number because it is probably around where it's going to be priced. You know, Baker hasn't put up big numbers. Higby hasn't put up big numbers. Could be lower. I mean, he had the big game against Denver, 94 yards, but his other receiving outputs in the last five games are 11, 11, 14, 27. So you could actually get this in the 20s. Week 12, uh, Seattle played Vegas. Uh, Foster... I think that's his name. Foster Moreau, three catches, 33 yards, one touchdown. Week 11 versus Tampa Bay in Germany, Cade Otten had three catches, 35 yards. Week 10, I think this is the last time you bet this, if I remember. Zach Ertz, five catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, we hit it on on a garbage time pass, which was awesome. That was one of my highlights of the season. I don't think it'll be 32 and a half. I think that's probably the high point, but let's say it is six of his six of the last eight games. Um, a tight end has played against Seattle. They've gone over that number. So look for that. I don't have an official play cause there is no official number, but that's uh, I think a good bet to agree on to end the regular season handicapping, right? Not to say this is the end of the podcast, but like you've hit that often. You made good money on that. Let's, I think there's some logic to that. You want to bet it or no? Am I am I yeah, on an island? Not? Am I on an yeah, island? I'll jump on it. All right, cool. Um, all right, so you had some some thoughts on a parlay. I want to hear more about that, or I want the audience to hear more about that. Yeah. So I read a great piece last week, and I, I honestly don't even like remember who it was. Um, but it was basically talking about how to correlate bets, um, and and it was based on the idea that teams, you know, if if certain things happened in week seventeen. Um, then things in week 18 would be more likely to happen. Now you couldn't parlay the same team twice because that you know books don't let you do that. They're too correlated. But like one of the plays, I wish I could. Oh man, it was I don't know. It was essentially if you so bet the Saints money line last week and and parlay it with the Cowboys money line this week because the Cowboys were underdogs last week because books thought they would be playing for nothing in this game and that the commanders might be playing for something. And thus Dallas was an underdog. So when the saints won that put Dallas back in play for the NFC East, now all of a sudden Dallas is a heavy favorite. So you got a parlay with the saints at like plus two fifty, I think they were plus two sixty, something like that. And Dallas was like plus one. The, the parlay ended up being plus 500. So now you're sitting on a plus 500 parlay with only needing Dallas to cover the money line which is now a minus 300 bet or whatever it is, minus 350. So I thought that I actually didn't, I stumbled across that like in the middle of the games. And I was like, man, I wish I had thought of that. So I was like, how could that apply this week? And I think the best way to apply it this week is with this, this Ravens chargers conundrum. 
Um, basically, the way it works is they set the Ravens-Bengals game to 1 o'clock. I don't think, and most of the reports are leaning this way, that they are going to play the Bengals-Bills game in which uh, Hamlin was, was taken off the field. I don't think they're going to play the game. So if we assume that that game is ended, the Bengals don't have much to play for in this game on Sunday against the Ravens. The AFC North is clinched because the Bengals would have needed to lose both of their remaining games in order to lose the AFC North. If they don't play one of them, they obviously can't do that. Um, They also can't get the number one seed, Cincinnati, because they needed to win both of their last two games to be in play for that. So all of the motivation for Cincinnati is really just about seeding. And now there's this idea being kicked around that they're going to play a neutral site AFC championship game. So even getting the two seed isn't necessarily that big of a deal. So I just, I I struggle to find why Cincinnati would really want to win this game. But I do think the Baltimore Ravens really want to win this game. And the reason is the difference between being the five seed in the AFC and the six seed in the AFC this year is huge. Because the difference is, If you finish in the five spot, you're going to play the AFC South winner, which is going to be Tennessee or Jacksonville. If you finish in the sixth spot, you're probably going to have to play the Bengals again next week in Cincinnati, and they're going to care about that game. I promise you that. Mm -hmm. And if you're the Ravens, like there's no, there's not even a question. Like if someone just gave you the choice, do you want to go to Cincinnati and play the Bengals or go to Jacksonville and play the Jaguars or Tennessee and play the Titans? Like you're taking Jacksonville every time. So I do think the Ravens want to win this game. Now I'm not guaranteed like the Bengals are a better team. It looks like Tyler Huntley is going to start. But if you want to correlate the bets, you could take the Ravens money line right now at plus 260 and then take the Chargers money line in a parlay at plus 125. If the Ravens win their game, all of a sudden the Chargers are now in the same exact spot that the Ravens were in hours ago, which is the Chargers now need to win against Denver to lock in the five seed. So they don't have to go to Cincinnati because, again, same scenario. They would much rather go to Jacksonville or Tennessee than Cincinnati. Right now, the price on the Chargers, they're underdogs at Denver. I don't think anyone believes the Chargers are a worse team than Denver, but books don't think the Chargers are going to care about that game. If the Ravens lose to Cincinnati, which, you know, is that's what's favored to happen, then the Chargers are playing for nothing. They have locked in the five seed. They probably sit Justin Herbert, use this as a bye week, and get ready for the playoffs. But by correlating the bets, if the Ravens do win, I think that line for the Chargers is going to flip immediately. Chargers become favorites. I think because and even Staley talked about it like it was brought up like, hey, if you're playing for something, it's kind of like, we'll see what happens. And I think that that's true. Why wouldn't it be? There's a chance the game means nothing. And in that case, I'm not going to risk my franchise quarterback's health. But if it means the difference between going to Cincinnati or going to Jacksonville, I got some thoughts about that. So I think the line would flip. So right now, the Chargers are plus 125. That means parlaying the Ravens and the Chargers puts you at plus 700. If the Ravens win, I think the Chargers move to like two minus 200 favorites. So you're kind of in that situation we just talked about. You have a minus 200 bet with plus 710 odds. And then at that point, you could either let it ride with the Chargers. You could hedge it with the Broncos money line. You could try to middle it by taking the Broncos plus the points. The world is your oyster at that point. So again, you're, you're, you're basing it on trying to get the Ravens to beat the Bengals, which is not favored to happen, but... I can make an argument for why it could, and then you have created value. Because you and I have talked a lot about how parlays don't give you value. In this case, you have an opportunity to create some value for yourself. I might throw like 50 bucks on it. You said it's plus 650 or something? It's 710 now. The Chargers have actually slid. When I originally talked to you about it, the Chargers were plus 105. For some reason, they've actually moved 
more as an underdog, and I'm curious as to why. But they're they were plus one twenty five last time I checked. Maybe it's like beat writers practice reports, or you know who's taking first team snaps, stuff like that. I, I don't know. I I couldn't figure it out because that came like as news was coming out that the uh, Bills Bengals game probably isn't going to be played. And I, I really don't think it will be. I don't think they're going to upset the entire schedule to try and get that game in based on everything that that happened. Yeah. Um. All right. So since you mentioned one of the games or the final game, I haven't talked about yet. That's my... it. Just gonna. You're not. No thoughts on this unbelievable analysis I just gave your audience. I said I was going to throw fifty dollars on it. I. I... It's all like, and I'm not belittling what you're saying. It's all conjecture. I I, I have no idea. I don't know. Like, I you understand it. like the theory yeah. though. I understand the theory. Yeah, and I just I don't know. Like I don't know. Okay. Like because if the Bengals want to play, they're playing Tyler Huntley, <laughs> and Tyler Huntley has been. He's really struggled lately. And the yeah. Ravens are, are they're limping down the stretch here. Um I will say though, like I've see, I've 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 witnessed Charger fans and Bronco fans fist fight. Like it's it's not really a rivalry because the Chargers don't, you know, they don't have any Super Bowls and they don't have a huge fan base, but like there is something there, right? So like if there's any motivation, the Chargers are going to want to are going to want to put it on him or, or beat him. So I don't hate that. It's just like, it's just, it's kind of too tough to like wrap my brain around and include in like the eight bets that I have here this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll throw 50 bucks on it. We'll have some fun. Um, but you did mention uh, a, a game that I'm going to include here in my mega teaser. So I'm going to tease the Browns up to stay and a half, tease the Bucks Falcons under up to 46 and a half, tease the Vikings down to minus one Cowboys. He's another road division favorite down to minus one. They visit the Washington Commanders. I talked about this last week when I took the Browns. Washington, I think they were either desperate by throwing in Carson Wentz or starting Carson Wentz or throwing in the towel. Now it's like they're throwing in the towel. They're starting Heineke with the plan of playing Sam Howell, i.e. Ron Rivera is either is either being told what to do or is just completely checked out. Um, Dak, all-time versus Washington, 9-1. and one. Dallas, uh, he's got six double-digit wins out of those 10 games, six straight covers. Dallas, since the beginning of last season when Dak was at full health, they're 9-2 and two against spread versus division opponents with a plus 9.5 spread differential. They're 7-2 and two against the spread as road favorites with a plus 5.2 ATS differential. They're 6-2 and two against the spread on extended rest with a plus 9.3 spread differential. The, there is motivation because there is an outside chance for them to catch the, the Eagles if the Eagles were to lose the Giants team, which... I don't think, as a Giants fan, I don't think they should be playing their starters, but the Cowboys don't know, and that game is kicking off at the same time. So, like, they do have to kind of go in there and put it on Washington to some extent. So, that's, again, it's, you know, it's a it's a four-team teaser, right? Don't don't put several units on it, but that's the fourth team that I'm, that I'm looking at here. So, recap the full, full tease. Yeah, uh, under 46.5 in the Bucks falcons uh, 
Browns plus eight and a half at the Steelers, Vikings down to minus one at the Bears, and Cowboys down to minus one at the at the at Washington. I like it. All right, last game I want to talk about Sunday night football. I'm gonna the Detroit Lions versus the Green Bay Packers. I'm gonna take the points with the Lions right now. It is oh no. I think it's four and a half. Um, it is four and a half more juice on the Packers. So maybe it's plus five. I just don't I don't see a world where Dan Campbell doesn't have his guys ready for this game and motivated, even if the Seahawks win. I know there's a natural just like ah oh, the season's well, it over. Goes to your, it goes to your uh, your earlier point about eliminated teams facing Yeah. Facing teams that need a win to get in. So either way, you either have a Detroit team that's trying to get into the playoffs or a Detroit team that almost certainly wants to knock Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the playoffs. For sure. I mean, you know, Dan Campbell can motivate the guys and he can at least say, hey, you know, we sucked in the middle of the season, but we controlled what we can control down the stretch. You know, we have the the embarrassing performance against against the Panthers. We could end the season on a winning note, beat Aaron Rodgers, ruin their season. We would have we would be two and zero against Aaron Rodgers this year. I think that's enough motivation for Dan Campbell to work with. You know what the pushback here is, though, right? I know I, I know a bunch of things you could push back with, but what are you what are you what are you thinking? Jared Goff below freezing. Yeah, absolutely. And Aaron Rodgers in December at home is I don't know the splits. They're they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're really really good. I, I can tell you that for in favor of the Packers. Um, Detroit has a better full season DVOA, a better weighted DVOA. They're both pretty close in net EPA per play. Um, Green Bay has a slight is a slight edge. They also have a slight edge in net yards per play. Detroit is plus net points per play, and Green Bay is minus net yards uh, points per play on the full season. Also. I think Green Bay's fluke uh, win streak is as fluky as it gets. They've won four straight. They've covered four straight. There's been one half point movement on the look ahead from, or yeah, from like three to four and a half. Um, that's based on Green Bay's active winning streak. Over their last four games that they've won, they have they have twelve takeaways, and and three turnovers they're plus nine in turnover differential that is unsustainable that maybe they could stand it through one more game um they beat an awful tanking bears team they played like shit but beat the rams on monday night football you were on the opposite side uh, as me and you won with the packers but even you admitted like the packers sucked like the rams are just worse like which is fair right they beat a concussed Tua. But the Dolphins outgained the Packers 8.4 to 4.6 yards per play. And according to PFF, Detroit wins a line of scrimmage here. So going back to the eliminated team versus team to play with or to play for something motivation, adding that to I just I, I do believe Campbell has these guys ready to go regardless of the Seattle outcome. And what do you let's just say the Rams upset Seattle. That affects this number, right? What do you think it gets down to? At least three and a half, no, you would say. I really don't think it does. No? Okay, fair enough. I think, I think, because like at what point, it's, it seems like it almost would be too late to like really change your mindset if you're the Lions. Like you have to already be going into that game 
as though your season's on the line. You know what I mean? They have because like, you're they have a full hour and a half to process it, right? Because they're the Sunday night football game. And the, the, I understand that. I guess what I'm saying though is like, so your thing is like, oh, books are going to react if Detroit. I, I guess what I'm well, saying well, the is the market like, will right. Like there's legalized sports gambling in Michigan. And regardless, I mean, you could say people are going to want to bet the favorite Packers on the get out of the get out game on Sunday night football. But I don't know. I think there is a counterpoint to be made where, well, Hey, now the Lions have something to play for. Holy shit. I don't think it's, yeah, I I just, I don't think it's going below the key number anyway. So I don't know that it's going to matter a ton. I don't think it drops below three. No, I agree. I agree. Cause the Packers are, I mean, again, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's December. Yeah, they're winning. It's a playoff. You know, they, they've been here before. The Packers have made the mm-hmm. playoffs every season under LaFleur. This would be four in a row. Detroit hasn't been in the playoffs since, I don't know, ever. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this line is kind of right, like, regardless of what happens. I'm not saying I wouldn't take Detroit. I'm just saying I, I think the line is kind of correct. And I don't yeah. know that you don't see an edge really... one way or the other, really. I don't think it really changes if Seattle loses. I, I, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the market just goes nuts and all of a sudden people, but like, are you hammering Detroit? My question would be this. Are you hammering Detroit at four and a half knowing they're playing for the playoffs that you wouldn't be comfortable hammering Detroit at four and a half right now? Like, is it that big of a difference for you or not you, but like the, you know, the Royal. You. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, me personally, like I'm taking the four and a half now because I think if anything, if it's even possible, Detroit's motivation increases. But I think either way, they, whether it's to ruin Green Bay's season or to play for the playoffs, they are going to be giving it a hundred percent on Sunday. And I like their momentum. Uh, like Green Bay's rushing defense sucks, so that's gonna. That's going to take a little pressure off of Jared Goff. I mean, the Packers, you want to talk momentum though, like the Packers, man. I don't I think it's fraudulent momentum. I don't think I think their four game winning streak is bullshit. I do. <laughs> oh, that is All right. I mean, they I mean, beat they the beat Vikings the out of Minnesota. They did. They did. And I know you like the Vikings and I almost bet I'm the not, Vikings like, last I mean, week, look, but I think the Vikings are overrated, obviously. They're not a 12 and 14 based on like any under like they're basically a league average team, but you beat a league average team by 30 points like or 24 points like that's that's still something that's not beating the texans by 24 points for sure no it's a fair point um no it's a fair point i just think yeah i don't know like week 18 it's tough to peg motivation i feel like i i i feel very confident that the lions are going to want to ruin the packers season at the bare minimum and obviously if they have a chance for the playoffs they're yeah, this question was more about like you asked, like, do you think the line changes, you know, on on the motivation factor? And I, I don't know that it does, but look, yeah, if it does, good for you because you got yourself a nice little number there. Yeah, you know, I, I actually I'm trying to I'm I haven't made an official bet yet. It's going to be a circuit pick. I'm wondering because if Seattle wins, then that line might get up to five and a half. Everyone's going to be like, well, the Lions don't have anything to play for. It's it's Packers, Sunday Night Football in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers has won four straight. 
it might get up to five and a half. But then again, it's not a key number. It's kind of like a dead area. So I should probably just take the four and a half now. I, I don't know. Uh, either way, Lions are going to be on my circuit contest picks. And that's it's all almost I, one that like, it's almost one you could try to correlate if you really believe, if you're someone who believes that it does matter a lot, you could do that. You could take like, you know, Seahawks, you're not going to make much money off of it because the Seahawks are heavy favorites, but you could take the Rams money line and then the Lions money line and kind of play it that way, which is like, well, okay, so if the Rams do win and you hit that first leg, the Lions might, their money line might drop, so you could have some value there. What is that payout? Hold on. Plus 195 <laughs> for the Lions. Um, plus 215 for the Rams. Damn. It's a big number for the Lions. Parlay it is it's plus eight thirty. I might do. I might dust off the old parlay shoes. I'm saying like, but this is what we talk about, right? Like parlays are sucker bets, but unless there's a reason for it, and in these correlated situations where the number is going to change based on one result, yeah. it's not as much of a sucker bet because you're again essentially trying to create some value by having two things that are unlikely to happen, but become more likely if the first thing happens. I feel much better about a sucker bet when it's eight, eight to one for your money. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's hey. eight to one. Like, you know? you know, I've made some pretty sucker PGA tour bets in my life and uh, way better at eight uh, than eight to one prices granted. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, and again, they're, they're correlated bets. So it's like, you know, if the first one happens, it's the reason you can't like the, they invented the same game parlay. Like a, po- a lot of people, I didn't even understand. I was like, why? You know, I, I've done same game parlays where I've looked at the odds for something. Like, oh, Jared Goff, let's just, we'll use this as an example. Jared Goff over 270 passing yards is minus 110. You know, um, Amon Ross St. Brown over 74 passing yards is minus 110. So you could do the math on what that parlay would look like. But when you do it in a same game parlay, it's like, it's less than that. And you're like, well, I'm getting, I'm losing value here. But what the book is saying is like, well, those two things are correlated. If Jared Goff throws for over 270 yards, then Amon Ross St. Brown is much more likely to have over 75 receiving yards. Right? Sure. Like yeah, those, yeah, of course. That's why they adjust the odds because they're like, well, if one of these things happens, the other one is more likely to happen, which is mm-hmm. why you couldn't parlay bets within the same game because books figured out pretty quickly like, well, yeah, if you're going to make you know a, a crazy – it seems like a crazy parlay, but once one of those things happens – you know, or well, whatever. So yeah, it's like parlaying this- the first half in the full game. So yeah, you think they're gonna win? We got you. <laughs> we're not gonna. <laughs> right, exactly. They're much more likely to win the game if they win the first half. Right. Yeah. That's just, that's a, unless unless it's the Raiders. There's probably um, a guy who's like new to the sports betting space that went on a podcast saying that without even like trying it mechanically. Like, why don't we just parlay the first half and the full game? We'll get like a plus one fifty or. Was a plus one seventy five payout? <laughs> like it felt like an idiot stand- soon after. The, the standard payout, I believe, right? If it's two minus one ten bets, is plus two sixty four. All right. Yeah, I spaced out. Fair enough. Yeah, you're probably right. No, I'm just, uh, that's what it. That's what the number. Yeah. Is. So if you take two bets that are minus one ten and you parlay them and they're not correlated, it's just plus two sixty four. That's that's the standard rate. Um, but anyway, so what I was just what I was saying is essentially this is like doing a same game parlay, except you're not actually paying that juice. So therein creates the value. That's that's the point I was trying to make. It's like being able to parlay Jared Goff's receiving yards with him. I mean, with passing yards with a Ra without paying that correlated price because books haven't quite figured out. Like they can't 
necessarily unless books got super smart and were like, no, you can't parlay these picks because we know they're correlated, but they haven't gotten there yet. Well, hence the example I brought up earlier, where if you took the Saints money line last week with the Cowboys money line this week, I mean, you're sitting on a an incredible value. For sure, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of value, hopefully in the hour and 45 minutes we've podcasted, we've given you guys some value. I mean, I don't know. This has been the heaviest betting outkick bets podcast I've done. I think I've given out at least seven picks, right? One teaser, one total, five picks, and the heaviest lean on over Tyler Higby receiving yards, whatever it is. And I, li- and I like to say, too, hopefully a lot of information. Like, it's not just about the picks, right? Like, we do this, we chop it up, but we end up – I think we give out some really good, interesting information. We have good conversation. Uh, it's been a great season, man. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, not that we're not going to continue through the uh, through the playoffs because we for sure are, but uh, we're not going to be doing one hour and forty five minute marathons with only six games. No, no, yeah, maybe we will. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like put a ceiling on this. You know, <laughs> you we we got into a pretty uh, lively discussion uh, on Slack before we started recording. And you and you were like, man, we're wasting good podcast content. I was like, ah, I think I think yeah, we'll, we'll be able to pick it back up. We'll make it work. <laughs> All right. Well, where can people follow your stuff, handicaps and otherwise? Outkick Dan Z on Twitter. Uh, hit me up on the Outkick uh, author page, Dan Zakshesky. Um, Check out my stuff. Go read that piece on uh, Nathan Peterman. All right. Yeah. Show us uh, some love on social media. Give me an. Uh, the Outkick Bets podcast, a nice review wherever you get podcasts. I'll probably be back tomorrow with an NBA podcast. Um, but see you guys next week. Well, tomorrow and then next week for some football. Peace.